0: love Jesus. <laughs> I was telling pastor, you know, it's, uh, these days it's hard to get people other than Sunday, you know, so you guys are, are really, uh, dedicated. Amen. So we're glad you're here. How many of you have your Bibles tonight? Wave and make the devil mad. If you don't, they'll, they'll have some scriptures up, you know, as we, as we get there. But, um, Uh, We want to talk to you tonight, just as I was waiting upon the Lord, I want to talk to you tonight about winning over the adversities of life. Winning over the adversities of life. You know, Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and also in Romans chapter 15. He said, you know, the Old Testament was written for our example and for our admonition." And so you and I, of course, can look at some of the stories in the Old Testament covenant and, and record in the Old Testament, and we can gain some tremendous uh, insight into New Testament life principles. And so one of the stories that I want to look at tonight is found over in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. And of course, uh, you know this story very well. It's uh, of uh, Daniel, not Daniel, David and Goliath. I was about to say Daniel, <laughs> and the lions did. But David and Goliath, an age-old story, but it has tremendous uh, life principles. And so we just want to encourage you with the Word of God tonight. Amen? Uh, in, in verse 1, 1, Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 1, we see that the Philistines have gathered together their armies to battle against Saul and the armies of Israel. So, quite naturally, we understand in life that there are going to be times where things gather together against us. We live in a world that is in a state of degeneration. We live in a world with the presence of Satan, sin, human will, and volition, and because of that... Uh, there are times where, as we say, things will gather together against us. How many of you, are, you, you know, realize that most often trouble seems to come with company? Not just one thing, you know, but it seems like several fronts at once. You know, Paul said over in Second Corinthians chapter uh, 4 around verses 8 and 9, he said, we're troubled on every side. Do you remember that scripture? But then, of course, he said, yet not distressed, right? Uh, Perplexed, but not in despair, Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. So there are times where things do gather uh, together against us, and when they do, it is very imperative that we remember what God has spoken concerning us. Uh, because God has said uh, concerning the children of Israel, He had made some promises and declarations, and unfortunately they had forgotten. But when these things gather together, we need to remember our covenant, remember what God has said. He said, listen, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Amen. If God be for you, who can be against you? Who can be your foe if God is on your side? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against us in judgment shall be shown to be in the wrong. Amen. Uh, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So the Philistines have gathered now against Saul and the armies of Israel. Unfortunately, they have forgotten what God has said, (laughs) and they're somewhat intimidated. We're introduced here in verses 4 through 11. And we won't read it for sake of time, but we're introduced here to a man named Goliath. Now, he's a very intimidating-looking individual. He's about nine feet, nine inches tall. Some say even up to 13. The opinions vary. Uh, he's wearing about 180 pounds of armor. The head of his spear is about 20 pounds. And he has set forth uh, a challenge to the armies of Israel. And we can see their response in verse 10 and 11 when the and the Philistine said I defy the armies of Israel this day give me a man that we may fight together and notice their response when Saul and all of Israel heard those words of the Philistine they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So here we have a very intimidating-looking individual. He set forth a challenge, and Saul and the armies of Israel are immobilized and paralyzed with fear. Now, this is one of the greatest strategies of the devil in life, and that is most often at the inception of the battle or the attack, whatever the situation or circumstance may be. He is going to endeavor to make that uh, situation appear as intimidating as possible. He wants you and I to perceive the mountain as immovable, impossible, indestructible, impassable, all with the intention of bringing fear. And when fear is present, you and I understand faith is inoperative. Are you listening? So one thing that I have discovered, and I'm talking to you tonight, and everybody's attention right here, I'm talking to you tonight about winning over the adversities of life, all right? So one of the things that I have learned personally in the battles that we've faced in our own lives and in the lives of our family uh, is that most often my initial reaction or response to a situation has tremendous impact On the outcome. I said my initial response or reaction to a situation can have tremendous impact on the outcome. If I respond in fear, then basically I open the door to the destruction and the loss that is associated with that attack. But if I respond in faith, in confidence, based upon God's promises to me as His son or His daughter, if I respond in faith based upon the covenant that I know we share, if I respond based upon the, the confidence that I have in His love for me, right? If I respond in faith, then in one sense of the word, I sabotage the intended effects of that attack. So we could say it this way, reaction determines result. Many times, reaction determines result. You know, my mother was 58 years old, and she began to have pains uh, behind her right eye. And her eye was obviously uh, protruding a little. And so she went to the doctor, and he said, "Miss Blackwelder, you need to go to the hospital. We need to run some tests. And so my mom went into the hospital. They ran some tests. And, of course, I lived in a different state. My sister lived elsewhere. So it was just she and my father there in, in Savannah, Georgia. And so my dad happened to be at breakfast in the cafeteria at the hospital when the doctor came in with the results. And he said, Mrs. Blackwelder, I'm sorry to tell you this. He said, but we found a large tumor behind your right eye. And he said, this particular tumor, and I don't remember the name, is a fast-growing tumor. It's protruding into your brain, also the eye socket. He said, we need to remove this tumor immediately. He said, unfortunately, because of its position, we're going to have to lay your skull open. There could be gross physical disfiguration. He said, potential loss of sight, loss of memory, and quite a long protracted recovery period. My mother said, she said, honey, when he spoke those words, we were in the room alone, she said, when he spoke those words, all of a sudden, this cloud of fear enveloped me. Uh, she said, you know, I could see in a moment, you know, my, my, my face disfigured, loss of memory, loss of sight. She said, you know, just in a moment, how many of you know the devil will assist you in your imaginations? And we understand that words are carriers, aren't they? They can carry life, joy, peace, strength, comfort, encouragement. Or words can carry death, fear, despair, discouragement. So fear rode on the word on the wings of those words as he was just giving that report to my mother and she said all of a sudden that cloud of fear enveloped me but then she said my mother's a little baptist woman you know filled with the holy ghost but baptist most of her life you know and she said but all of a sudden out of my belly rose up these words and she said I said quite forcefully she said out of my spirit oh no you don't i will not fear and she said the doctor said excuse me she said i wasn't talking to you and she said son as quickly as i spoke those words in the name of jesus i will not fear she said that cloud of fear dissipated and the peace of god enveloped me and i knew everything was going to be all right are you listening you know the bible says 365 times fear not That is one for every day of the year, right? Everybody say, fear not. Now, many times when we face situations, we're going to be tempted to fear because we can feel the initial impact of that fear upon our emotions, upon our soul. It is not a sin to be tempted to fear. But what we don't want to do is to give place to it, embrace it, and allow it to consume us. Yes, she initially felt its impact, but she what? She resisted it. Fear is a spirit, Second Timothy 1, 7, and must be resisted. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So anything that causes fear, you know it is not birthed or authored by the Spirit of God, right? So you mind if I take a little side journey about my mother because sometimes, you know, Uh, we leave things unsaid and we should say them because it will help people. As I said, you know, my mother, uh, wonderful Baptist lady, she didn't have a lot of the teaching that you and I have, but even if you do, these things will help us. Uh, You know, I I flew home. My mother called me and said, look, they've said I've got a brain tumor. I need to have it removed. So I flew home. I wanted to talk to my mom. I wanted to find out, Mom, where is your faith level? What is your peace level here? What do you feel that you can believe God to do in this particular situation? Because, see, I can't go home and counsel my mother based upon my measure of faith or what I think she should do. Because I might succeed, she may fail, or vice versa in any given situation. So I said, now, Mom, because, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, friends, will always counsel each and every one of us in conjunction with our particular measure of faith in any given situation. He knows all the ins and outs, all the variables, and he knows the pathway to victory, right? So I said, now, Mom, where is your peace level? Because peace is a tremendous indicator of faith. You know, I've seen people, you know, uh they come up against situations, and I feel like sometimes the devil tries to pressure people into believing something that's just simply beyond their measure of faith at the moment. You know what I'm saying? And I tell people, listen, if you come up against a situation in life and you feel like your faith or your peace levels wavering, don't belittle yourself. Get into the Word, begin to grow, and meanwhile realize God has not assigned us to defeat on any level of our spiritual development. There is always, I believe, a path to victory if we will discern it by the Spirit. So I said, now, Mom, what are you comfortable with? Where's your peace level? And she said, honey, and she was very honest. She said, I cannot believe that it's just going to disappear. I'm just not there. I said, well, fine. What can you believe? Right? She said, well, now this is what I can believe. She said, I can believe that God will anoint those doctors. They'll go in there. They'll get, because they told her we, might, we, we probably won't be able to get all the tumor and it'll probably grow back because this type usually does. She said, I believe they'll get it all and it will never grow back. She said, I will not have gross physical disfiguration. I will not have loss of sight, loss of memory. And I will have a quick and speedy recovery. I said, wow, (laughs) that's pretty good, mom. So, you know what we did? We got a piece of paper and we wrote down, they'll get it all and it will never grow back. There'll be no gross physical disfiguration, no loss of sight, no loss of memory, a quick recovery period. This is on the eve of her surgery. And so... We wrote all those down, and then we went to God in prayer, as Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6 tells us. Be careful. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ. So we made our petition known. We said, Father, this is our petition. They'll anoint the doctors. They'll get the whole tumor, and it'll never grow back. And everything I told you, no loss of sight, no loss of memory, quick recovery period, no gross physical disfiguration. Then we signed it, Matthew eighteen nineteen: if two of us agree on earth the to touching anything we'll ask, it'll be done. And then all of a sudden, my mama, a little Baptist woman, started laughing in the Holy Ghost hysterically. My father, who's a Baptist deacon, said, what in the world is she laughing at? This is serious. I said, Daddy, that's the Holy Ghost telling us everything's going to be okay. And God is my witness. She went into that surgery. The first words she spoke when she woke up was, Isn't God good? The very first words when she came out of the anesthesia. Isn't God good? They didn't know if she was going to say goo-goo-ga-ga or what, you know. But she came out, and God is my witness. Eighteen years later, that tumor never grew back. She had no gross physical disfiguration, no loss of sight, no loss of memory. Two months later, she was in a Holy Ghost meeting in Lakeland, Florida, laying on the floor laughing in the Holy Ghost. woo (laughs) he, <laughs> See, sometimes people have misconceptions of faith uh, where faith is concerned. They think, well, now, if I, if I don't have the surgical procedure, or I don't medication take medication, that means I have faith. Or if I do have the procedure or I do take the medication, that's proof that I don't have faith. I say wrong on both counts because it is not the withholding of medication or the withholding of medical procedures that pleases God. It is the exercising of faith. So what you have to do is follow peace in every given situation. If God says, believe me for this, then believe him for it exclusively. But if you know that that's not where your peace level is and you feel comfortable joining other streams, then follow the leading of the spirit. Are you listening? Does that make sense? Why? Because there's a path to victory. I could tell you so many stories. My father was was diagnosed with fourth stage melanoma cancer given four months to live. That was two years ago. The disease is, he just got his last scan, completely dormant. And no chemotherapy, no radiation. The Lord told us exactly how to do it. And we followed the leading of the Holy Ghost, and he got it. Woo! Somebody say praise the Lord. The point is, when my dad called and said, they've given me four months to live, I said, well, Dad, that's what they say. See, we're not going to (laughs) read. No, that's what they say. Let's see what God says. So we went to the Lord and we said, Now, Father, you said, Come let us reason. I said, It's not a good time for my dad to go. My mother has made it clear she wants to go first. She's always said that. She wants to see, he, he, she wants him to see her over. Plus, we need business taking care of. It's not a good time. So I just listened. And I don't have time to tell the story. But I got supernatural direction on what to do for my dad. Spiritually, naturopathically, and medically, without the the, I, I knew we were not supposed to do chemotherapy and radiation. I knew that because the Lord said it would destroy his organs and he would be dead. Now he's alive, completely healed, getting married again. My mother passed on to the other side. He saw her over. He's eighty years old, getting married in uh, next week. <laughs> Glory to God! Woo! Hallelujah! I don't know how I got off on all that. The point is, reaction determines result. I believe there's a path to victory. Right? So we just need to follow peace. So, when Saul and all of Israel heard those words, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, we're introduced in verses 12 uh, through 15 to a little boy named David. Thank God this young man was introduced. He was the, you know, keeping some sheep in his, uh, for his dad. And then, of course, uh, we see in verse 16, uh, the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. How many of you know the devil's persistent? I mean, he'll wake you up at night saying, What are you going to do? What are you going to do? How in the world are you going to pay that bill? How in the world are you going to do what's in your heart to do? What happens if you don't get healed? What if this or that? He'll wake you up at night. You know what I mean? Persistent. You and I have to be equally persistent. Stand your ground. Galatians 6, 9, what does it say? Be not weary in well-doing, right? For in due season you shall what? Reap if you faint not. Now, how many of you know what due season is? Due season is a little longer than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> you ever found that out? Most often due season's a little longer than we thought it was going to be. But just stand your ground is on the way. So here, as we said, we're introduced to David. And finally this little man comes down uh, to bring some supplies to his brothers and the captain of the host. And in verse 22, let's pick up there. Verse 22, David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. Now this guy's saying the same thing, but now we've got a young man who's got a different reaction. We said reaction determines result. If this young man had not come along and had a different reaction, this story would have turned out quite differently, I'm sure. Man, one person full of faith and confidence in God can change an entire situation. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that when you walk in on the scene as a child of God, knowing the authority that you have in Christ and the Word of God resident within your human spirit, that you can absolutely change the atmosphere of an entire situation? Woo, I like that. So he comes and has a different reaction. Same words, different reaction. Verse 24. Now notice where their attention is. All the men of Israel... When they saw the man, they fled from him and were sore afraid. Verse 25. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Now where's their attention? What's the problem here? What's the problem? Their attention, they've got their focus in the wrong place. The more you focus on something, the more it expands. The bigger it gets in your mind and in your heart. Uh, One of the the, the major things we need to do in the life of faith is make sure that our attention is is, uh, uh, focused properly. Does that make sense? That we're focusing not on the problem, not on the giant, not on the mountain, talking about it. Oh, and, you know, thinking about it and communicating to your neighbor or your spouse about it or your friend. No, get your attention off the problem and put it on the promise, right? Because what you focus your attention on has the biggest impact on your faith. Your faith and mine is directly connected to our attention. Does that make sense? So quite naturally, man. They're, they're down there full of fear, cowering down, because their whole mindset and attention is on Goliath. So notice, have you seen this man? Now, now listen, you might not can keep the devil from talking, but you can certainly decide that what he's saying is not worthy of your attention. Right? So they said, well now, surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man that kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. They said, hey now, you see this guy? Yeah, I see. Whoever takes him down, he's going to get rich, lots of money. He's going to get a pretty wife. And he's not going to have to pay taxes, nor his father's house, not have to pay taxes anymore. And notice the next verse, verse 26, David spake to the men that stood by him saying, Uh, what shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 27, and the people answered him after this manner saying, so shall it be done to the man that kills him. So two times they told him, hey, you're going to get rich, pretty wife, you don't have to pay taxes. He turned to another group. He said, hey, hey, tell me what? Tell me that again. They said, well, you're going to get rich, have a pretty wife, and you won't have to pay taxes anymore. Now, man, this boy's already getting excited (laughs) as far as he's concerned. the The battle's in his court, right? So we see, of course, a little altercation here with his elder brother, Eliab. And then in verse 30, I want you to notice, here's the third time. He turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the fir- uh, former manner. He said, hey, 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 tell me one more time now. What is it I'm going to get when I take this guy down? said, you're going to get rich, get a pretty wife, and you won't have to pay taxes anymore. I mean, this is a little 17, maybe 15 to 17-year-old boy full of Faith and confidence in God. you got a whole army and a king cowering in fear. And yet he's already planning his honeymoon. Woo! Glory to God. <laughs> now, of course, we see in verse 31, uh, when the words were heard that David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. Now, verse 32. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. Now, who needs the devil when you got friends? Trying to talk you out of believing God? Listen, may I tell you a secret? Never let someone else's opinion of you formulate your opinion of yourself. See yourself as God sees you in Christ. Amen. Able to do and willing to do whatever needs to be done. And so, you know, David, now I love verses 34 through 37. Talk about tremendous life principles. Uh, let's read this and then kind of look at some things uh, that will help us win over the adversities of life. David said to Saul, verse 34, Verse 34, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, there came out a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. The servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now listen, I want you to see two very important principles. When situations arise, we said, reaction determines results right? We also said, let's keep our attention in the right place on the promise and and not the problem. And then next now, here's two things you can remember. One thing that we see David doing is he began to rehearse his past victories. I mean, when you're facing a situation and it looks like, man, things are going downhill, you just need to encourage yourself. Think about those times where it looked like it was no way. We were going to lose, you know. I mean, we, it, we were out of the ball game. It's all over. And God's grace was there. And He helped you and sustained you and healed you and delivered you or brought you through and you're still here. How many of you can testify, hey man, we made it. <laughs> we're still standing. And David began to say, hey, I remember the lion." I remember the bear. And the same God that delivered me from the lion and the bear, he's the same one that will deliver this giant into my hand. This time will be no different. I'm going to come out, and I'm going to come out on top, right? Which leads us to our second point. Number one, rehearse your past victories. And then number two, faith will always declare the outcome at the onset of the battle. Faith always declares the outcome at the onset of the battle. Does that make sense? Now, now, many Christians, when they encounter adversities and oppositions, what do they say? Well, uh, y'all, y'all, please pray for us. We're hoping for the best. We don't know how this thing's going to turn out, but please, y'all, y'all just pray. We're hoping for the best. Well, you're just leaving it wide open like that. I'm not going to hope for the best. I'm going to declare and decree God's word over this situation. I'm going to declare my victory at the onset of the battle. David said, I'm not leaving this to chance. He said, let me tell you exactly how it's going to turn out. I'm going to bring that guy down. Right? So, declaring the outcome at the onset of the of the battle is very important. Job chapter uh, 20, uh, 22 and verse 28. Notice what the Bible says. Thou shalt declare a thing. Job 22 uh, and 28. Thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee and the light shall shine upon thy ways. What does that mean? When we come into a situation, like with my father, what did I do? I declared, my dad will live and not die, and he will declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living. And then I expected the light of the Holy Spirit to shine upon our path and give us wisdom to navigate to a place of victory. Right? And so that's what we do. Let me, let me tell you something you will never see. Never. You will never see two boxers when they're interviewed before their match, and they're interviewing them, you will never see one of those boxers say, I don't know, man. I'm scared. That guy's so big. He's so intimidating. I I just don't even know if I should even be doing this match. But I'll I'll give it my best. Is that what they... (laughs)
1: You'll never
0: see that. What you will see is they say, Hey, hey, I'm going to take that guy down. I'm going to eat his lunch. He is mine. That is the attitude of a victor. That is the attitude and the predisposition of a man or woman full of faith and confidence in God. Bring it on. God is more than enough. We will come out the other side. And when we do, we'll be standing. When the whirlwind passes, the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Can anybody say amen? Woo! Somebody say declare the outcome. So now in verse 38, I love this story, so full of good principles. Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head, and he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword, verse 39, upon his armor, and he assayed to go. That means he kind of tried it out, walked around a little bit, for he had not proven it. And David said to Saul, Saul. I cannot go with these because I have not proved them. And David put them off. Now here's another very valuable principle when you're fighting or facing adversities or oppositions of life. And that is this. You can never go to battle in the power of someone else's revelation. We can never go to battle in the power of someone else's revelation. I have to go to battle in the power of my own revelation, that which I have found in the Scripture, that which I have substantiated in my heart and believe, and I'm going to battle in the power of thus saith the Lord because I know He said it. Not just because I heard somebody say it in church. or No, it's a revelation revi- residing on the inside of me. Amen? So, David said, hey, I can't go in your revelation, Saul. I haven't proven this. I've got to go in my own revelation. And so notice what he did in verse 40. He took his staff in his hand. And he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So, now what's the New Testament application for us? He went down to the brook, he gathered five stones, he put them in his bag. What do we do? We go to the water of the Word, we gather our stones, we gather our scriptures. The promises and provisions of God that pertain to our particular situation, whether it is family, peace of mind, freedom from fear, emotional stability, uh, uh, healing, finances, whatever it is, go to the water of the Word, gather your stones. And once you've gathered your stones, put them in your bag. What? Get them in your spirit. My spiritual father taught me that. He said, before you ever attempt to release faith, realize faith is cultivated and nurtured within the human spirit, in the heart. So he said, take a little time, gather your scriptures, and then what? Meditate. Meditate those scriptures. Get them down on the inside of your spirit. Now, how do you meditate? How many of you know what meditation is? To meditate means to reflect and rehearse. It's like taking a hot cup of water with a tea bag. If you dip that tea bag just one time into the hot cup of water, very little of the flavor or the color of the tea is absorbed. But when you dip it over and over and over and over, finally all the color and flavor of that tea is a, a tea bag is absorbed into that water. The same principle holds true in the word of God. Find your scriptures. Put them in your bag. How? Write them down or mark them in your Bible, whatever your area of need, and dip it over and over. In the morning at breakfast, get it out and read it. Surely he bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases and my pains. With his stripes, I am healed. Whatever your area is. And then at lunchtime, over break, dip it again. Then at night, dip it again. And you keep dipping and dipping and dipping until all the power and life that is resident within that living word of God is absorbed into your human spirit and manifest the very thing that it carries. Are you listening? So, he said, man, he got his stones. He put them in his bag. We go. We get our scriptures. We put them in our, in our heart. And then we're ready To release it. Now watch. Here we are. Verse 44. The Philistine said to David, Come to me. I will give your flesh under the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Now so he's made his declaration. How many of you know your mountains or the giants? They will talk to you. The symptoms in your body, the zeros in your checkbook sometimes or whatever the situation. It'll talk to you. And when the giant speaks, you must always answer it. Never leave uh, uh, the giant, so to speak, unanswered. Faith is never silent in the midst of opposition. Faith has a voice. He said, come to me, I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air. Now notice David, verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Notice verse 46. This day, here he is declaring the outcome. The Lord will deliver me thee into my hand. I'm going to smite you. I'm going to take your head, slap off your shoulders. I'm going to give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Man, don't you love this little guy's attitude? He said, hey... I'm not only going to take you. I'm going to take all those boys with you. Now, good gracious, you got a whole army back here cowering in fear. One little 15 to 17-year-old boy standing out with a slingshot said, Hey, I'm going to take you and I'm going to take all those boys with you. Don't you know? They were laughing their heads off. woo Just, you know, having a hooting time until the slingshot came out. Woo! I said, It's very important, friends. In winning over the adversities of life, never leave the mountain or the giant unanswered. Uh, You'll notice in Mark chapter 11, here's a great little example. Mark chapter 11. You'll remember when Jesus encountered the fig tree and they were coming from Bethany and he was hungry, you know, and so they were looking for some food and they came upon this fig tree. And notice, it didn't have any figs on it. And I want you to notice in the King James what it said. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Now, I I understand some, some translation says in response. The point is, most often you answer something that is speaking to you. Now, we know the fig tree wasn't talking, you know, audibly, but it was sending a message inadvertently. No food, no fig, no provision. And the Bible says Jesus answered that thing. (laughs) And he said, no man eat fruit of the year after forever. And then in verse 20, you can see later when they came back, it was completely dried up from the roots. Everybody say, answer it. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, my dad, you know, my dad was 50 years old. He was the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Well, uh, I should clarify that. He was uh, uh, the vice president of human resources for a Fortune 500 company. So he's 50 years old. Well, another company came in and bought the company that my dad was working for. And as you know, in business, many times when a larger corporation comes in, buys a corporation, they will begin to replace the existing officers with their own. So here's my dad, 50 years old, vice president of human resources of a large and prosperous company. And all of a sudden, his colleagues began to be dismissed so he can see the handwriting on the wall, you know. And so uh, he called me and said, Marty, he said, you know, I can see what's happening. And lo and behold, it wasn't a few days later, you know, they call him in and dismiss him. So he calls and he said, son, I'm 50 years old. Now, I don't have a job. Who's going to hire me at this level of that income and, and, you know, uh, retirement and so forth at 50 years old? I said, he said, what am I going to do? I said, now, Dan, here's what we're going to do. We're going to answer this situation. The mountain has arisen. Goliath is speaking. We're not going to what? Cower and be silent. We're not going to respond and react in fear. We're going to answer you. <laughs> we're going to answer you on the basis of this covenant. And I said, so here's what we're going to do, Dad. I said, I want you to repeat after me. He's, I said, I want you to say. We're on the phone. I will have a better job. He said, I'll have a better job. I said, with better, if you're going to do it, do it right. I said, better pay. He said, better pay. Better pay. Better benefits. See, increased retirement. Just went all out. He said, increased retirement. I said, now, Dad, I want you to say that again. I will have a better job, better pay, better benefits, increased retirement. I said, now, Daddy, say it again like you mean it. Because you know God loves you, Dad. He knew this was coming. He didn't fall off the throne. This didn't surprise him. He's already made provision. We just got to find it. Let's respond here adequately and appropriately. Let's declare the end from the beginning. Right? Right? So he said, I'll have a better job, better pay, better benefits, increased retirement. I said, now, Dad, I want you to say it one more time for me and for Jesus. (laughs) He did it. And he did a little more excitedly. I'll have better pay. I mean, better job, better pay, better benefits, increased retirement. I said, amen. I said, now, Daddy, I want you to thank God every day that you have a better job, better pay, better benefits, increased retirement. I said, will you do that? He said, I will, I will. And I said, don't let all this negativism come out of your mouth and infiltrate your mind. Just stay positive and thank God for it. He said, I'll do it. God is my eternal witness. And it doesn't always happen this quickly. But in two weeks' time, my father got a call from another Fortune 500 company in the same city. And said, Mr. Blankwilder, we understand that you're no longer with this company. Uh, We've lost our vice president of human resources. Would you be interested in the position? My dad said, well, let me pray about it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So he
0: went in. (laughs) didn't take him long to pray about it. So he went in, you know, and took the interview. They gave him the job and praise God, he had better pay, better benefits, increased retirement. He retired at 59 years old and just been enjoying life and and been blessed. Amen? Isn't God good? Everybody say, answer it. Now, I know I'm talking to somebody in here tonight. I'm talking about winning over the adversities of life. And if you don't have it going on right now, at some point you're going to. Right? So, just these will be good principles. So, David responds. Verse 47, and he finishes his declaration. All this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. <coughs> Amen? Now, here's the outcome. Verse 48. And it came to pass. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. I mean, this little guy's not backing down. He's running toward this guy. David put his hand in his bag, took a stone, and slung it. What do we do? We take that word that we planted in our heart we put it in our mouth and we speak it forth and declare it. And smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead. (laughs) I mean, this is the only place that is not covered. This guy's covered from head to toe in armor. He's got one little place of vulnerability and God knew exactly where it was and man knocked him out and knocked him down to the ground. Right? Fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and I just want to tell you tonight, if you're here and you feel like you know you've been facing a battle, you're gonna prevail with the word of God, with faith in God's word. He prevailed and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head. (laughs) And and when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Woo! Somebody say praise the Lord. I mean, this little guy took down that giant. With faith in God. I I just simply want you to know, and I know you realize it, but faith in God and faith in His Word can turn seemingly hopeless situations around. I don't know, as we've said to you before, you might be facing a situation that seems a little bit uh, uncertain, but I want to tell you tonight, that thing can turn around. You know what a turnaround is, right? We've rehearsed that with you before. How many of you know what a turnaround is? A turnaround is a change In the course of direction. That means maybe things have been particularly flowing in an unfavorable direction. Whether it's financially, physically, emotionally, with your relationships, or whatever it may be, your job. But then all of a sudden, man, God gets in the middle of that thing, and it turns around. Right? That is a turnaround. A 180 degree change of direction. How many, is anybody in here you could use a turnaround tonight? (laughs) Praise God. Well, listen, I believe if we'll just do what this word says to do, if we'll what? If we will have the proper response, right? Reaction determines results. If we will keep our eyes off the problem and on the promise, if we will rehearse our past victories, declare our outcome at the onset of the battle, if we will answer it when it speaks, Amen. And put the word of God on the inside of our heart and declare it with our mouth that we will see the victory. Now, last night we talked about the power of praise. How many of you were here? And we said, man, there's something about praising God that seems to unleash, you know, the, the power of God in our situation. I quoted to you Lillian B. Yeomans who said, uh, you know, praise hastens victory and and I know you've read this this uh, story before but look over in Acts chapter 16 talking about things turning around and praising God maybe sometimes before you see the answer look in Acts chapter 16 anybody with me then we're going to just get happy in here praise God this is a pick-me-up weekend Acts chapter 16, an encouraging weekend. Look in verse 25. Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. Notice, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Well, thank God for prayer. But then what did they do? They sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So it wasn't in a teeny-weeny little voice, was it? (laughs) No, everybody heard them. And what I love is it says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, notice, not just Paul and Silas's, but all the prison doors were open. Everyone's bands were loosed. You get an atmosphere of praise in the house And not only will your bands be loosed and your situation turn around, but everybody under the influence of the presence of God in that house can be affected by it. Right? So here's what we're going to do as we conclude just thinking about this tonight. I believe God's going to turn some situations around in here. I believe that you're going to execute this word. But as just as an act of faith, why don't we stand up and let's just praise the Lord a little bit. What do you say? Just lift your hands for a moment and let's just thank Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we can win over the adversities of life, that we can and do have the victory. That nothing is impossible to him that believes. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. That whatever is necessary to bring us victory, God is able to give us insight, understanding, and favor with God and man to turn that thing around. And I believe that's exactly what is going to happen in the name of Jesus. God is still in the supernatural business. It doesn't all have to be just natural. It can be supernatural. And Father, we call on the supernatural power of God in this situation, working and bringing this to a conclusion of victory for my dear sister, in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare it, and we believe it. And we thank you for it. Woo! Glory to God. Everybody say, God God is turning turning things around around for me. I think I'm going to sing that turning some things around if you'll get that track. Say it again. God God is turning turning situations situations around. Now remember last night we talked about the fact that in first chronicles or second chronicles 20 when Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel when uh, Judah when they began to praise that the Lord sent ambushments that is when they pulled that trigger of praise that stuff started happening in the unseen realm I think we ought to just do that a little bit more because there's some folks in here tonight you need to see some turnarounds right you need to see some Some things come in to fruition where your faith's concerned. Let's praise Him. I want you to lift your voices right now. Start thanking God personally for whatever it is that you need and you're believing for. I want you to thank Him for it. And give Him a shout of praise. Are you praising Him? Did you find that track, Bubba? Go ahead and crank that up. Let's shout a little bit in here. Come on. Thank you, Lord. It's turning around. Bring up my track just a little bit. Come on. Bring it up a little bit more. Come on. God is about to turn some things around. Yeah. Going to lift us up and take us up to higher ground. Hey, we're not defeated. Not going down, God is about to turn some things around. I (laughs) believe God is about to turn some things around. Woo! Gonna lift us up and take us up to higher ground. We're not defeated, not going down, God is about to turn some things around. Listen now, we're not looking to the past anymore. We're girding up, we're gearing up, we're going through a brand new door. Things
1: are gonna get better than they've ever been (laughs) before. God is right now turning things around. Woo, come on. God is about to turn
0: some things around. Gonna lift us up and take us up to higher ground. We're not defeated
1: not going down
0: god is about to turn some things around listen now we're seeing an increase of the spirit and the power mighty signs and wonders being wrought in this hour no failure any longer this church is getting stronger god is about to turn some things around hey now so don't let go of your faith it will soon become sight just open your mouth and confess the word. Everything's gonna be all right. This is the time of victory.
1: Your turnaround is here. God is about to turn. <laughs> you might as well get happy about it. Woo! Somebody needs to get happy in here. Oh yeah! <laughs> Hey, God
0: is about to turn some things around. Gonna lift us up and take us up to higher ground. Hey, we're not defeated. Not going down. God is about to turn some things
1: around. Hey, God is right now. As we're praising Him, it's turning around. We thank You, Lord. Woo! The giant is coming down. The victory's ours. God is about to turn some things. Thank Him for it. Hey, you're not defeated. You're not going down.
0: Because God is about to turn some things. Right now, as we're praising, turn some things around. Woo! I want you to get my other track ready. Turn to your neighbor. I want you to say this. No matter what the weapon is, say it. I want you to know I win. Turn to your other neighbor and say Go ahead and start it when you want to. Go ahead and turn to your other neighbor and say, No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know I win. As soon as you get that track
1: ready, crank it up, brother. Woo! Somebody say it again, I win. On bring it up in the house. Come on. You might have to dance a little bit tonight. You might have to shout a little bit. Woo! You might have to run a little bit. <laughs> Give me just a little bit more track. I like to fill the house with it. Come on. Woo! Say one more time. I win. I win. Guess what you do? Here we go. Woo!
0: Y'all can sing it with me here. I want you to know that I win. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win.
1: No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. Here we go. I win, I win, I win, I win, I win, I win, I win. Hey, no matter what the weapon
0: is, I want you to know that I win. You gotta say it like you mean it. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win.
1: It's kinda blowing the nose.
0: No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win.
1: No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. Anybody win? I win. I win. I win. I win. I win. I win. Want you to know that I win. Hey, no matter
0: what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. Tell
1: it. Hey,
0: no matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win.
1: Hey, I win. I win. I win. I win. I win. I win. You win. You might as well dance a little bit. I tell you. Woo! Come on, let me see some praising in here. Celebrating! <laughs> Y'all ever done a Jericho march? Huh? Anybody ever done a Jericho march? It's good to do it. I win. I win. I win. I win. I win. I win, I win, want you to know, doubt he'll bring me out. I win, I win, I win, I win, I win, I win. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that if I won't doubt, he'll bring me out. I win, I win, I win. Keep saying it because it's true. I want you to know He'll bring me out. If I obey, He'll make a way. I I win. I win. I win. I win. I win. No matter what.
0: The weapon is I want you to know that if I won't doubt, He'll
1: bring me out. If I obey, He'll make a way. You believe that? <laughs> I'm about to dance in here now. Woo! I want you to know doubt, He'll bring me out. If I obey he'll make a way. If I believe I will receive everything he's promised me I win. I win. <laughs> <You>. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! We win. Want you to know that if I ought he'll bring me out. If I obey he will make a way. If I believe I will receive everything he promised me. I win. Hey! <laughs> Woo! Hey! We win. I said we win. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Woo! You win. You win. Point to your neighbor, say you win. 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 <laughs> Woo! Hey. Oh yeah. If I believe I will receive everything he promised me. I win <laughs> Hey I win Woo This is called celebrating the victory Want you to know that I win. Thank you, Lord. Woo! We believe it. <laughs> Woo!
0: Hey, we about blew the speakers with that, didn't we, bro? You hear that? Boom! 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 Praise God! Sometimes, man, Brother Hagen used to tell us all the time. He said, "When you get thrilled with the Word, it just works for you. <laughs> get happy about it, Amen." Praise God. Praise God. Listen, we love you. And uh, I believe things are turning around. Even now we've activated that. And and just thank God for it when you go home tonight, when you get up tomorrow, when you go get up for breakfast, when you come to church. Thank you, Lord. It's turning around. Thank you, Lord. It's turning around. Amen. Praise God. And you'll see it. You'll see it. You'll see it. Praise God. Hey, we're going to get our joy cup full in the morning. Then we'll see what happens Sunday night. I don't know what's going to happen. But we're going to have a good... He's going to have a good time in the morning now. Woo! I'm already getting a little
1: tipsy. All right. Praise God, Pastor.